0: From deep inside your audio device of choice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think it's a p- appropriate time now to explain to the kids what an H bomb is. It's been a while. Um, I'm not. I'm not the person to do that, although I I do, among my academic distinctions, boast the. Uh, situation of having been taught physics, dumbbell physics, but physics, by the father of the H-bomb. But he didn't teach me what an H-bomb was, or is. But now, I think, you know, because the kids, they never heard from the H-bomb before. But just on that subject, since it seems to be in the news, (laughs) this in the News of (laughs) Africa Department, because we're... Where did North Korea get its nuclear know-how? Didn't get it from... The, from uh, Well, we don't think they got it from the Chinese. We don't know. But here's a clue. The founder of Pakistan's nuclear bomb program asserts that the government of North Korea bribed top military officials in Pakistan to, abstain, to obtain access to sensitive nuclear, nuclear nuclear technology in the 1990s. It's our old friend A.Q. Khan the father of the Pakistani bomb. All these bombs have... Where are the mothers when we need them? He said he has made available documents, this is according to the Washington Post, in a story from a couple of months ago that I just uh, retrieved from the uh, memory hole. He says he has documents that support his claim that he personally transferred more than $3 million in payments by North Korea to senior officers in the Pakistani military. He says they subsequently approved his sharing of technical know-how and equipment with North Korean scientists. Khan has also released what he says is a copy of a North Korean official's 1998 letter to him, written in English. Well, there's progress that spells out details of the clandestine deal. Some Western intelligence officials and other experts say they think the letter is authentic and that it offers confirmation of a transaction they long suspected but could never prove. Pakistani officials including those named as recipient of the cash, have called the letter a fake. You recall just last week, Pakistani officials were outraged that President Trump uh, had called them out publicly about their support for the Taliban, which they also described as fake. It's all fake. I think Pakistan, I've, I've never been there, so you can't prove by me that it exists. Khan, some in his country, hail as a national hero, the father of the Pakistani bomb, you see, is at odds with many Pakistani officials. Of course, they always said he was a lone wolf, a rogue in selling nuclear secrets to North Korea, as well as Libya. Tom? I would be Libya. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, I think Iran. I'm not sure. Anyway, the Pakistani officials say, no, 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 no. It was all A.Q. Khan. By the way, because he was such a rogue because he besmirched the good name of the pakistani military he's never been charged with anything in pakistan he's never been allowed by the pakistani officials to be questioned by the americans he is i think still under house arrest but a nice house U.S. officials have worried for decades about the potential involvement of elements of Pakistan's military in illicit nuclear proliferation, partly because terrorist groups in the region and governments of other countries are eager to acquire nuclear know-how. The transactions in this episode would be directly known only to the participants. So the assertions by Khan and the details in the letter couldn't be independently verified by The Washington Post. Oh, no. A previously undisclosed U.S. investigation of the corruption at the heart of the allegations conducted before the letter became available, ended inconclusively six years ago, in part because the Pakistani government has barred any official Western contact with Khan. Pakistan's confirmed shipments of centrifuges and sophisticated drawings helped North Korea develop the capacity to undertake a uranium-based route to making the bomb, in addition to its existing plutonium weapons. It's belt and suspenders time. Late last year... North Korea let a U.S. group see a uranium enrichment facility and said it was operational. The U.S. officials said they hadn't seen the letter of the con released previously. So it came as a surprise to them. It's our friends, the Pakistanis, ladies and gentlemen, helping out wherever they can. Let's start right out. Hey, what happened? We'll, We'll get to that. But in the meantime, remembering Walter Becker. Hello, welcome to the show. Bye. From New Orleans, Louisiana, just a stone's throw from Robert E. Lee Boulevard in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen... A
1: house is a very, very, very smart house.
0: It's a, it's a smart old world. Last month, Smart Locks manufacturer Lockstate. Screwed up an over-the-air firmware update for its Wi-Fi enabled smart locks, Tom. Oh, it's smart locks, mm-hmm. causing the devices to lose connectivity to the vendor's services, servers. Sorry, and the ability to open doors for its users. Which, of course, one of the reasons, one of the, one of the um, functionalities you want in a lock is to unlock. Only one LockState product was affected, which is the LockState Remote Lock 6i, also known as the 6000i. (laughs) I hope that's clear. The device costs only $469. Come on. It's sold mainly to Airbnb hosts. Via an official partnership, LockState has signed with Airbnb. It's all good. Hosts use the smart locks to configure custom access codes for each Airbnb renter, without needing to give out a physical key to each one, don't you see? It's a system. The botched firmware bricked the device's smart code access mode. Physical keys continue to work. Isn't that nutty? You can't hack them. The botched firmware was a nuisance for private homeowners. It was a disaster for Airbnb hosts, who had to scramble to get customers' physical keys so they could enter their rented digs. Of course, the alternative would be to actually use a licensed. Oh, uh, sorry. On Twitter, Lockstate said that only 500 devices were affected. The smart locks lost the ability to connect back to Lockstate's servers. Companies asking customers to send in their affected locks. Of course, then they'll be lockless. But on the other hand. And a handful of security researchers, this according to McClatchy, Washington. A handful of security researchers, lawyers, and privacy watchdogs are voicing increasing concern that consumers might one day wake up up in anger at the collection of data by software companies winning rights to do so through end-user license agreements, EULAs. One researcher says the data collection potentially poses a national security threat. Companies empowered by the click-through habits of consumers that allow them to gather and sort through data exploit the information by selling it to data brokers. When you buy a box of cereal or crackers on the side of it, it gives you nutrition facts, says Michael Patterson, chief executive of a cybersecurity firm. That's what I want. I want nutrition facts on every piece of software I install so I can click on it and it says all the information they're taking. Data harvested from consumers, including your smart devices at home, has led companies to create individual profiles, often at a level of detail that even family members may not know. When online profile is created of you, you never really get to see it. It's just not just kind of what you buy, it's who you might vote for, said a Palo Alto antitrust lawyer who is tangled with Google and Microsoft. An estimated 8.4 million, uh, sorry, billion such devices exist in the world today, according to Gartner, research firm. The number is expected to climb to 20.4 billion by 2020. It's getting worse because the Internet of Things is like where your location is, how much your heart rate is going, and what you're saying with these new voice control devices, says a co-founder of a Massachusetts security company. He's concerned enough about privacy that he avoids all voice-activated devices in his own home out of concern they may be feeding his private activities back to manufacturers. He said young people may feel that we enjoy all this technology so much that we're willing to give it up. You've got no alternative, he says, back when there was competition. If some people did a better job at protecting privacy, that might have influenced your choice. Alexa, don't listen to that. A corollary is whether companies can actually keep the data safe. If U.S. adversaries, do we have them still? Hack databases containing consumer profiles collected and built up by data firms working with software companies. They could use the information to manipulate public opinion, to stoke chaos. We wouldn't want chaos, would we? That's the last. This uh, official... Actually, security uh, official says he stops using some products when he learns that companies are marketing his usage data. He did so after a lawsuit filed in April charging that Bose, the audio manufacturer of wireless headphones, was monitoring your music and selling that data. Bose on its Web page says it respects the privacy of our users, unquote. We respect it so much. We think it's worth a ton of money. That's the kind of respect the um, security uh, official said he's particularly wary of smartphone navigation apps. Maybe they keep track if I'm speeding a lot. Maybe they sell it to insurance companies, he says. And this is so smart. This isn't your house. This is your heart. The Food and Drug Administration last week issued an alert about the first recall of a network Connected implantable device due to cybersecurity vulnerabilities. Because you want your pacemaker connected to the internet, don't you? Your heart can get baseball scores. The agency is instructing patients with certain implantable cardiac pacemakers from St. Jude Medical to visit their physicians for firmware updates. <laughs> get your heart firmware updated, won't you? To address cyber vulnerabilities that can potentially be remotely exploited by hackers and the post safety concerns. Approximately half a million such devices are in use in the United States. Uh, The uh, Abbott, Abbott now owns St. Jude Medical, couldn't say how many abroad. The FDI characterizes this as a voluntary recall. The Abbott spokeswoman says neither the company nor the FDA is recommending the prophylactic removal and replacement of affected devices. Regularly, you're just supposed to have the devices updated at your next regularly scheduled visit last thing you want to have somebody with a pacemaker do is panic. A Department of Homeland Security alert also issued this week noted that vulnerabilities included the pacemaker's authentication algorithm, which involves an authentication key and timestamp time which can be compromised or bypassed, which may allow a nearby attacker to issue unauthorized commands to the pacemaker via RF communications. So you got to be careful who you're walking by if you got one of these. But, you know, wait till your next regularly scheduled visit, won't you? The recall is the most serious development to be related to medical device cybersecurity, according to one authority. The FBI, uh, This follows the FDA in April sending a warning to Abbott, warning the device maker it should, but must submit a plan within 15 days to address this, the vulnerabilities that were first disclosed way back last August. That report was based on findings by MedSec, a security research firm. But it's just your heart. And it's a smart heart. Now, not related, except just goofy, just more goofiness. That's all. No relationship except more goofiness. Because, really, there's not enough, there's never enough of it. A new study... Finds that antidepressant drugs making their way through an increasing number of people's bodies and getting excreted in small amounts into their toilets are moving through the wastewater treatment process to lakes and rivers and are being found in multiple Great Lakes fish species brains. This is your fish's brain on drugs. This is from research from the University of Buffalo. They have a university. Researchers detected high concentrations of both the active ingredients and byproducts, the metabolites of the parent drug, of Zoloft, Prozac, Cal- Celexa, and in The brains of fish caught in the Niagara River that connects two of the Great Lakes, Erie and Ontario. Which is bigger? Do you know? Affected species included smallmouth and largemouth bass. You know which has the larger mouth? Rudd, rock bass, white bass. I'm feeling sorry for the whole bass family at this point. Yellow and white perch, perch? Walleye, both in, and steelhead. Steelhead, I think, can take it, because they got that invisible shield. While the concentrations aren't potentially harmful to humans eating the fish, they are problematic, says a University of Buffalo chemistry professor, the lead author of the study. It's a threat to biodiversity, and we should be very concerned. Previous research has shown that antidepressants in water create suicidal shrimp. That is to say, shrimp that swim toward light instead of away from it, making them vulnerable to predator fish and birds. Other research teams have shown that antidepressants can affect the feeding behavior of fish or their survival instincts. Some fish won't acknowledge the presence of predators as much. Well, they're sort of chill. Isn't that the idea? Just, you know, not frozen fish, but just chill fish. You can eat those, can't you? That has the potential to affect delicate ecological balances in the Great Lakes, already under siege from uh, what an Asian carp, an invasive species. The um, residues are not uh, accumulating in higher concentrations in larger fish, predators higher in the food web. No, they're not getting it by eating smaller fish. They're getting it from being in the water says uh, the researcher. The active ingredient in Zoloft was found at levels estimated 20 times higher than levels in Niagara River water normally, and levels of the breakdown product of Zoloft's active ingredient were even greater, reaching concentrations hundreds of times higher than that found in the river. The drugs appear to be accumulating in the fish over their prolonged exposures to them, said the researcher. Now this concern, of course, rises with the increasing technological ability to detect the drugs in very small quantities and as use of the drugs has exploded I'm on four of them right no, I'm not no, I'm not most this is the 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 key part for the those of us who don't eat fish by the way, for those of you who still believe, hey, the tap water's fine it hey, the tap water's fine. bottle water is a scam well, the bottle water is a scam if you're not drinking. Uh, spring water, because otherwise the bottled water is just tap water run through, you know, some crap filter. But for the tap water, most wastewater treatment plants don't screen for the metabolites or the active ingredients of antidepressant drugs. They only screen for waste solids and uh, for E. coli. These plants are focusing focused on removing nitrogen, phosphorus, and dissolved organic carbon but there are so many other chemicals that are not prioritized that impact our environments, says the leader of this study. As a result, wildlife are exposed to all of these chemicals. Fish are receiving this cocktail of drugs 24 hours a day, and we're now finding these drugs in their brains. Well, that's a good life, cocktails 24 hours a day. Did I miss something? This is your brain. This is your fish's brain on the war on drugs, ladies and gentlemen. And now. Louis, that's a cue. News of the Olympic Movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole Jr. Dateline Chang, South Korea. The International Olympic Committee warns organizers of the Winter Olympics. They risk creating white elephants from winter games venues. Yeah, that's a headline. Now the IOC is warning about white elephant venues. Join the club, completing a final full inspection visit before the February 9th opening of the Winter Olympics next year. Assuming that. You know, North Korea doesn't blow it up. An IOC panel predicted a, a successful Olympics, but said, "quote, definitive legacy use for several venues is still outstanding." By outstanding, they don't mean swell; they mean waiting, waiting out in the uh, cold. The IOC has once again requested that final plans be presented as a priority. They said, "Olympic venues that lie underused after the games is a long-standing problem," according to the Associated Press. Yeah, they know. Lately, hurt the reputation of the 2016 Olympics in Rio. Wait, that was just last year. Check out the uh, Bird's Nest Stadium in Beijing, too. The IOC voiced its concern in South Korea, quote, despite legacies being identified in the bid and different options being presented over the past seven years, unquote. Meaning, you talked about it. What are you going to do? Organizers there remain upbeat that the two-week Winter Games will promote South Korea, which has been distracted by political corruption scandal, and presidential impeachment. Aside from that, look, the Olympics! Look! We want to make these the best winter games ever, says the president of the organizing committee. Aren't they always? Isn't that part of the rules? Slow ticket sales at home and abroad, plus low-key promotion in South Korea, have also been identified as priorities to work on. (laughs) A new phase of ticket sales starts next week. Lower prices? Doesn't say. And... PyeongChang 2018 insists that recent problems at Samsung, including the five-year jail sentence awarded to its de facto head, will have no impact on the finances and running of the Games. Samsung is a major sponsor of next year's event, as well as a member of the International Olympic Committee. Top scheme, the Olympic program sponsorship scheme. Huge influence in South Korea. JY Lee has been the effective head of the group due to the illness suffered by his father. He was found guilty last week of giving bribes to solicit support from the ousted South Korean president and her, quote, advisor. He was also convicted of embezzlement, perjury, and hiding assets overseas, but he's planning to appeal all charges. Samsung is a global sponsor of IOC, while at the same time a local sponsor of Pyeongchang 2018. Such a conflict of interest is usually not allowed, but the IOC granted that, says the chair of the organizing committee. Sponsorship from Samsung, he says, was established a long time ago. Samsung is one of those pre- three presenting partners of the Torch Relay. Promotion of the Games has been a major challenge, while organizers have also struggled to raise funds independently of those allocated by the government. Well, that's always true. But yeah, Samsung is sponsoring the Torch Relay just for their technical expertise. They know how to make the torches burst into flames. The Olympics. It's a movement, and we all need one every day! This brother is free. From New Orleans, this is Le And ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, some technical difficulty here for a moment.
2: What happened?
0: Uh, Well, I'm just trying to figure it out myself. Um, The the story begins in May when um, Philippe Raines, who is a longtime advisor to Hillary Clinton, Tweeted out a piece of video. The video was an excerpt from uh, Philippe Rains' uh, rehearsals. He was playing Donald Trump when Hillary Clinton was rehearsing for the debates with Donald Trump. And the um, the tape he tweet the tape excerpt he tweeted out. I'm going to uh, play it for you. You have to listen carefully, and then I'll explain what actually is going on here. Except we don't seem to be hearing it, which is peculiar.
1: So, and, here go. and Donald J. Trump. Here we go. Hey. <laughs>
0: so what's happened is they're being introduced, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Uh, they meet each other halfway between the podiums, between the lecterns. Excuse me. Uh, she offers her hand to shake his hand. He, Philippe Reigns, playing Donald Trump, starts to hug her, and she pushes him away. And uh, uh, that's why the laughter. As And he keeps trying to hug her, and she keeps pushing him away. This was before the second debate. Now, we have uh, been in receipt, we in the uh, general public this week, of uh, an excerpt from Hillary Clinton's uh memoir of the campaign
1: What happened?
0: it's called what happened um and here is that excerpt uh that we got this week
1: this is
3: not okay i thought it was the second presidential debate and donald trump was looming behind me two days before the world heard him brag about groping women now we were on a small stage and no matter where i walked He followed me closely, staring at me, making faces. It was incredibly uncomfortable. He was literally breathing down my neck. My skin crawled. She writes she had a choice. Do you stay calm, keep smiling, and carry on as if he weren't repeatedly invading your space? Or do you turn, look him in the eye, and say loudly and clearly, back up, you creep.
0: Almost as if she hadn't expected it. Sounds like another edition of... Oh, yeah, so so she is going on a book tour starting in mid-September. And uh, this is the first September in at least a decade that New York has not been filled... Well, it's filled with dignitaries from around the world for the United Nations General Assembly. But coterminously with that for the last 10 years has been the Clinton Global Initiative, where Bill Clinton brought together corporate leaders with these world leaders for, um, you know, just good... Uh, This is the first year that's not going to be happening. Yes, it all does sound like a new edition of Clinton something next year on the show.
3: Clinton something.
4: The wilderness years.
3: thought we'd already released some of the excerpts from the audiobook book. Oh, we did. But we can just say certain parts of the narration were remastered, you know, like they do with old LPs. Yeah. Bill always laughed at me for keeping my LPs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wish I had them now. I had the original Beatles Yesterday and Today album, you know, the one with them as butchers on the cover. Mm-hmm. So was so that a yes on re-recording the Trump Debate section. I don't know. What if somebody notices that we actually changed it? Legal. That always works. Mm. Or that since the name of the book is What Happened, Mm -hmm. we wanted to double check that what you're reading is, in Mm -hmm. fact, Mm -hmm. what... I'd like to ask Bill.
4: Well, Miss Hillary, I guess you can.
3: Um, listen, keep the studio time. I'll let you know. Okay. Um, They also would like uh, the new reading
4: Mm -hmm. to be, um,
3: you know, a a little warmer. Yeah,
4: yeah, always warmer. Bye. So, what'd you want to ask me? I'm here all week. (laughs) What is this? Q&A night at the improv? No, hon. I really am here all week, and next week, and the week after that. No big CGI forum this year. No reason to go into the city. Or looking at my schedule. Any city.
3: You knew this day would come. The Global Initiative has achieved its purpose. Oh,
4: it's true. I've gotten to know the richest fellows on the globe really well.
3: And its avowed purpose. Right. Helping helping millions millions of people people around around the world.
4: world. Yeah, that too.
3: So, winding down isn't such a bad thing. Take it from me. I've done it big
4: time. Twice. I know. And you're right. I did know this was coming. But still... The dinners, the luncheons, the brunches, and then all the guests arrive and all the great conversations that ensue. You know, it was thanks to a cognitive scientist at one of the CGI meetings that I learned that eels have incredibly sensitive hearing.
3: That's nice. Listen, darling, while you're here... Hey, I'm not going anywhere
4: unless you want me to uh, help out on the book tour. Help out how?
3: I mean, (laughs) it's my book. My story about my experience of the campaign, people are going to want me to say hello to autograph their copy. And
4: you're sounding a little trumpy there, Toots.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And you're beginning to look a little bob Dolish around the neck. Well Bill, I don't want you traveling around with me like a like a like a dutiful wife. I wasn't gonna put it that way. But let's put it that way. Okay. You've got plenty to do here. Mm-hmm. Wrapping up the donor disclosures.
4: Stuff like that. Oh, look, you know as well as I do the lawyers are doing that. Yeah. You know, I, I i could come out before you, introduce you, be what the rappers call your hype man. Darling, you've always
3: been my hype man.
4: I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment.
3: Good. Now, I did have something to ask you. Hype man and trusted advisor? Right. Go. Should I redo the audiobook section on the second debate. Some of the kids in Hillary land think Philippe's tape will start getting more traction and, you know, I... that I should at least make a glancing mention of the fact that I... I had rehearsed Pushing Trump
4: Away. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of a Shakespearean question. Hmm? To let it all hang out or to not let it all hang out?
3: Right. Very Oxford of you. (laughs) Now get Little Rock with me.
4: Well, too late to change the printed book. Not for the e-book. E-book sales going down, babe. But
3: if it's in both the audio and e-versions, then we can say that the the print version is just a...
4: A misprint version? Right.
3: They left out a paragraph, and... Budget cuts at
4: the publishers have meant fewer proofreaders.
3: Right. It'll be corrected in the
4: second edition, and... And the first will become a collector's item. On the other hand...
3: On the other hand, the excerpt has already been broadcast and published, and we didn't rush to
4: correct it. Well, I was busy preparing to not host the CGI forum, and and, and you... I was cutting the commercials for the book. They were having to shoehorn me in. We were, we
3: were using the same director who was doing the new LeBron James shoe spots.
4: I'm buying it. The shoe? The explanation. Mm-hmm.
3: But you know what? What? What they printed is what I actually wrote, what I actually feel. Yeah, I rehearsed it, and then on the night of the debate, I froze because because he really did creep me out.
2: Mm-hmm. The whole
4: deeper truth bit.
3: <laughs> you could say that.
4: I think I just did. You know what?
3: I think I'm going to leave it be. The only time they could record me is Tuesday, and the director thinks LeBron won't be back till Wednesday.
4: It's a scheduling thing. Got it. <laughs> and as far as the hype man gig... You know, I can set you up like nobody else. I'm aware of that. Let me
3: think about it. Youthful angst and mature reverie. Together they add up to Clinton something. The wilderness
0: years. Now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the warm. Won't you? It's not hard.
1: Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen to the warm.
0: Well, the new study from Indiana University and Purdue University, Indianapolis, and they got together. The boilermakers and the same uh, the thing, thing thing validates that the central core of the East Antarctic ice sheet should remain stable even if the West Antarctic ice sheet melts. This would be good news. The study's findings are significant given that some predict the West ice sheet could melt quickly due to this <laughs> global warming thing. If the East Antarctic ice sheet, which is 10 times larger than the Western one, melted completely, it would cause sea levels worldwide to rise Almost 200 feet. Goodbye, Billy According to an associate professor in the Earth Sciences of the School of Science at Indiana University. A research team she led into the trans-Arctic mountains in search of physical evidence that would verify whether a long-standing idea was still true, that the East Antarctic ice sheet is stable. That ice sheet has been considered relatively stable. Because most of the ice sheet was thought to rest on bedrock above sea level, making it less susceptible to changes in climate. Recent studies show widespread water beneath it and higher melt potential from impinging ocean water. The West Sheet is a marine-based ice sheet that is mostly grounded. Well, at least it's grounded. You know, I I I think that it will enable it to—it's grounded below sea level, which makes it much more susceptible to changes in sea level and variations in open te- ocean temperature. So, rest easy, Antarctica. Rest easy, little penguin. You've, al- you've always got the east sheep. And Australia experienced its hottest winter on record this year amid a long term warming trend largely attributed to climate change, this climate change thing. This is uh, according to the uh, Australia Weather Bureau, which I guess keeps track of that stuff. Ma- uh, maximum daytime temperatures were 3.5 degrees. Fahrenheit above the long-term national average during the June-August season. That's their winter down there. And the water goes down the toilet the other way, too. Winter rainfall was the ninth lowest on record and the lowest since 2002. National record started in 1910 for temperatures and 1900 for rainfall. Be an interesting story, I'm sure, why they started keeping the records on rainfall 10 years before. Oh, let's keep the records of the temperature, too, mate. You have a long-term warming trend, which is largely attributed to changing levels of greenhouse gases, the Bureau's senior climatologist told Agence France. He added that 19 of Australia's last 20 winters had seasonal maximum temperatures averaging above the long-term average. On top of that, to get an individual extreme year like this one, you also need the more general weather pattern to be more favorable to warm conditions as well as this year was, he says. The record temperatures occurred despite the absence of the continent's most important large scale climate drivers, El Nino and the Indian Ocean Dipole. We haven't talked about that ever on this show. El Nino, as you know, is the thing. I'm not going to. The Indian Ocean Dipole system is defined by the difference in sea surface temperature between western and eastern areas of the ocean. Australia has warmed by approximately one degree Celsius since 1910, according to the Weather Bureau. More recently, over 200 weather records were broken during the last summer. That was our winter, with intense heat waves, bushfires, and flooding plaguing that season. So, Not so normal down under, eh? News of the Warm, ladies and gentlemen, a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now, the Apologies of the Week.
2: We're so sorry.
0: A St. Paul, Minnesota police officer has apologized for his behavior in a Facebook video recorded this week. The 34-second video, which was posted by Facebook user Andrew Casey, begins in the middle of a con- confrontation between Casey and Officer Benny Williams, who was on duty but dressed in plain clothes. They uh, exchanged some expletives. The police officers then approached Casey and said, Put it in my face, I'm going to slap you down, expletive, in reference to the recording device. As Williams returned and walked back to his car, Casey can be heard saying that Williams spit on him and hit him. The police department posted Casey's video on its own Facebook page, along with a video apology from Officer Williams. Quote, I said a lot of things that I shouldn't have said, and it was very unprofessional on my part. I want to apologize to this individual. It does not represent who I am or my organization, the St. Paul Police Department. Well, who does it represent? Who is the person that did that? It's not who I am. Who is it? Nobody answers that question. He's the subject of an open internal affairs investigation. As British Cycling Magazine has apologized for a photo caption in its latest issue, labeling a cyclist as, quote, token attractive woman, unquote, Cycling Weekly included the photo in a profile of the Hinckley Cycle Racing Club. A member of the club noticed the bizarre caption in the magazine, posted it to Twitter. Hannah Noel, the cyclist in the photo, said she was gutted and disappointed in the magazine. Cycling Weekly editor Simon Richardson swiftly issued a full apology, blaming the idiotic caption on a member of the magazine's sub-editing team and overlooked by other staffers in the rush to finish the magazine. The caption is neither funny nor representative of the way we feel or approach our work, Richardson said. Hours after Salt Lake City's mayor and police chief apologized for an officer handcuffing that hospital nurse who refused to take blood from an unconscious patient, the district attorney announced he wanted a criminal investigation into the episode. Earlier in the day, the uh, police chief and the mayor called the hospital nurse to apologize. They then held a news conference saying they were alarmed by what they saw on police body camera footage of the arrest, which I'm sure you've seen by now. If you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's good watching. A top executive of the chemical company that owns a plant where a container of volatile chemicals caught fire and exploded in Crosby, Texas, apologized for the continuing crisis, saying the company could have released information more quickly. Flooding from Hurricane Harvey caused several cooling systems at the Arkema plant in Crosby to fail, as chemicals called liquid organic peroxides, which were stored at the facility, warmed up. They became unstable, I know the feeling, and caused an explosion early Thursday morning. Arkema said Friday it still cannot access, access the plant. It's uh, north northeast of downtown Houston, and expects eight other containers of organic peroxides to ignite in coming days. So, get your tickets now. A Missouri lawmaker says in a Facebook post that he hopes whoever placed paint on a Confederate monument in Springfield is found and hanged. Republican state representative Warren Love, Warren Love, said in the host in the post. He said he hopes he. he Whoever vandalized the monument is hung from a tall tree with a long rope. He later told the Associated Press he didn't really mean that. I I, I wonder what he did mean. I wrote this as an exclamation in another post. Most of you you that know me know that I say a lot of cowboys saying. It was a stupid remark, and I'm sorry to everyone that it offends. It was a cowboy saying. Don't you know? The Seattle Times has apologized for a mistake in a map that skipped over the state of Mississippi and moved Alabama adjacent to Louisiana. The map was tweeted out over the weekend and quickly made the rounds on social media. The map, which depicted the path of Hurricane Harvey in Texas, showed Louisiana and Arkansas with a state labeled Alabama directly to the east. The omission of Mississippi had people crying foul. The Times later corrected its error and tweeted out a new map along with an apology. We deleted a previously tweeted map that contained a geographical error. Apologies to our friends in Mississippi and Alabama. Seattle Times has friends in Mississippi and Alabama? Now that's news. That's... Rip out the front page. The South Florida Museum announced this week that Snooty, the manatee's death, was the result of a preventable accident and that the loose panel in his tank that ultimately led to his demise was discovered... A week before he drowned, the beloved Sea Cow, a Manatee County institution, had celebrated his 69th birthday just a day before his death. Several factors contributed to the tragedy. We are addressing them actively, said the museum, including a deficiencies in record-keeping and reporting, a lack of protective, proactive follow-through, and the need for improved staff training. On behalf of the museum, I apologize for the mistakes that led to Snooty's death, said the official, the CEO of the museum. We have made and continue to make substantive changes to address the breakdowns that contributed to this tragic accident. Snooty brought joy to millions of lives. The museum remains committed to ensuring that his voice continues to inspire support for manatee rehabilitation. R.I.P. Snooty. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. A copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations, over NPR worldwide throughout Europe, the USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet 7.49 Omega shortwave, on the mighty 104 in Berlin, on the equally mighty Soho Radio in London, around the world via the Internet, You've heard of it at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want it. harryshear.com and kcsn.org. Available for your smartphone through stitcher.com and available as a free, free podcast. At Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, Tuna.com, iTunes, and wwno.org. And it would be just like... Them not having killed Snooty. If you'd agree to join with me, then would you? All righty. Thank you very much. Uh huh. A typical show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago in exile, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson, who has been our, our friend and engineer here at WWNO New Orleans for way too long. <laughs> that's, that's about to end. The email address for this program a playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Karzai Talk t-shirts with caricature, caricatures of the Karzai brothers. Have I ever mentioned that before? Have I ever screwed up mentioning it before? All of that at harryshearer.com. comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of the aforementioned WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network so long from New Orleans